Star Realms, No Man's Sky, and Doctor Who. This is staying in. Sorry, I'm just clipping my nails. What's that? Just clipping my nails. Do you know your fingernails grow two and a half centimetres a year? No. Really? Yeah. Really? They grow, they grow at pretty much the same rate, I think, as the, 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 the movement of the tectonic plates. Continental drift. Coincidence? Yes. It's universes within universes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's exactly it. I mean, how fast do your nails grow sound like bamboo? <laughs> Just has to keep, he has to keep his eye on them at all times. <laughs> yeah, when we do the half marathon, you'll see me, they'll be perfectly trimmed at the end. They'll just be dragging along <laughs> beside me. Oh, God, what a sound that would be. <laughs> no, that's all right, I've done it now. It's good thing you're not running over any cattle grids. Are you Man. are you playing me right now, Pete? Are you no, I, no, I'm not. My phone is. I'm. I'm actually. Pete's, uh, Pete's on for the long con. He's playing everyone. I'm He's playing uh, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I play everyone. No, I um. I gotta say. Hang I'm, on, I'm just I'm just playing a guy called T Pulsar. Right. Okay. Right. What are you doing? What's he? What's um, he? What's he doing to you? No, he's he's chucking all sorts of stuff at me. Yeah. Oh no, that's that's the end of my go. Okay. Just, just give myself a bit of authority. Try and uh, prevent the prevent the loss. I'll, I'll turn it off if you're not playing. Well, no, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely not playing. Um, I have to say though, I have become absolutely obsessed in the last two weeks with Star Realms. Um, I I think about it a lot. <laughs> so this was a game the other week that you were saying that you were looking in. You were yeah. So we were talking about. Uh, Dan's one-handed activities and uh, basically <laughs> the darts the darts yeah yeah the darts what else would it be um, and um, so we were looking into uh, I was basically saying that there was a couple of there are a couple of mobile games that I'm looking into at the moment that I think Dan would really like and since Dan's not on this podcast uh, uh, I think I can confidently say that he absolutely would love this game uh, and that he will definitely get a lot out of it when he plays it so, so um, I guess some, some would say it'd make a very good pr- christening present. <laughs> so Definitely. I mean that that and a pack of arrows. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. At the end of uh, the last recording that we did, I immediately just downloaded Star Realms um, and started started playing it. And I've never played a deck builder before. I've built decks before, but I've never actually played a proper full-on deck builder. Uh, or at least I don't think I have. Um, I've played Machikoro, but I've never played Dominion or Ascension or, you know, any of those games. And so I immediately started... I, I, I immediately got my ass handed to me as soon as I finished the tutorials um, in the campaign mode because I just didn't really understand what the game was. Like, coming from a centre of playing Magic... And um, you know, to a lesser extent, Netrunner and, and, and Cthulhu. Um, I I kind of saw it as a. I immediately thought that it was going to be a game where I would draw these cards out, put them into my front row, and then I'd have big spaceship battles, uh, big protracted spaceship battles, and it'd be a case of like having a squad against another squad and just wearing down 
the cards, much like magic has creatures against creatures, and then once you've beaten those creatures down, you have planeswalkers. But this isn't that. This is a game where you have to... Each player starts with essentially the same sets of cards, uh, access to the yeah. same set of v- very vanilla low-end cards, and then from there starts to pull from that shared deck, uh, shared, uh, what's it called? The Basically, draw- you have like a little marketplace, have like a little, yeah. how it works is you've got like, um, uh, everyone has the same amount of currency to say at the start, and you each you each in turn toddle along to this little like space market stall. Yeah. There's a dodgy guy there going, "All right, I've got this blob carrier here for eight oh. coin, or I've got this I've got this machine one here for for three. But what about this tasty little explorer here for two? Go Man, on, you can take it. This bread's uh, definitely organic, mate. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> like the uh, market trader in Resident Evil Four. <laughs> what, what are you buying? Are you buying? <laughs> and then, and then, so, and then you basically like the early game is just buying shit. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah. that looks, oh, that looks good. That looks good. And like the easy trap to fall into, I think, when you're playing Star Realms, just like, wow, that one's got the biggest attack points. I'll yeah. pull that one in. That's yeah. right. Yeah, oh, that one's got like, oh, like, oh, attack, attack, attack. That's what I'm going for. And, yeah. Um, like that, that wonderful like economics behind the game is something that um as a magic player i find really interesting and yeah. uh, i i'm myself like i've not really played that many deck builders um the only other deck builder i've really put a lot of time to is temp work assassins right um which is which is a board game which is kind of a deck builder meets a work placement game and um, that was a really interesting introduction um, to what it takes to be to like build a deck because the theme is very yeah. intent work assassins. Basically, you're building your deck to fight against people who are working in this office environment, and so it becomes very clear that you want to build a deck to enable you to basically beat the workers get as many points out of your deck in order to beat their health points. So because there's only this one sort of strategy to what you're trying to do with your deck, you learn very... It's very easy to pick up on what you want to do and what kind of strategy you want to build into your deck in order to get the most out of it. Star Realms is a little bit more nuanced. I think there's about four or five different little meta games going on from what you're doing into your deck, but... Tempwork Assassins was definitely a really good introduction for me and both my partner for Lisa. Yeah. Um for like getting us into what what this game kind of means. Right. Yeah, I mean so so obviously I I I didn't have that, you know, I didn't have that experience basically. So I kind of was learning the hard way when I was playing the game. Um and the digital so I've mostly been playing the digital app to be perfectly honest with you. Um I Downloaded that, went through the tutorials, went through uh, uh, the first mission of the campaign, got stomped, and then started to learn that yeah, it's about so the you know so it is about buying initially, and then it's a game also about well, what kind of strategy do do you want to use? Do you want to have a smaller deck from which you pull from? Uh, you when when you're 
purchasing these ships and uh, and these stations you pull them and you you move them into your own personal deck and the higher as any again any magic player will know the more cards you have in that deck the more randomness there is like there is very difficult yeah. to predict what's going to come out of that deck <clears throat> and so so one of the strategies that i found uh quite useful early on that it teaches you is well actually what you want to use is a bunch of the red symbol cards um so each of the different there's essentially different factions in the game there's a green a red a yellow and a blue and the red faction which is kind of a mechanical faction is very much about about scrapping cards so you can discard a card mm. and scrap a card discarding a card you put it to one side and then once your deck has been depleted you then put all of your discard cards together shuffle it and then that's your deck again if you scrap a card it's out of the game entirely it's kind of like a, again for magic players it's like exiling um and then the so so one of the things i learned quite quickly through one of the campaigns was okay diminish down the number of cards that you have so that you have a much clearer idea of how what cards are coming out of your draw deck and and so you learn that technique and I was like oh okay this is really interesting and then from there just this one idea of one type of strategy comes a lot of different nuance and sophistication that I have started to learn about so for example you're doing a good job of sapping most of the fun out of explaining that. Oh, man, look, right, okay. So this is, this is a highly, if you think about it, it's a highly <laughs> complex... I've been thinking about this game, I, shit you not, I've been thinking about this game for the last two weeks. It has invaded yeah. every uh, moment, basically. And I think part of that is, um, and I'm sure, I, I don't know how you're playing it, Chris, but I've been playing the digital games and I've been playing it across Android, iOS, and on PC <laughs> because, because, because first of all, I caned my, my battery on my phone so I had to move to Android. And then I, when I go to work at lunchtime, I'll play it on my PC. You know, and because of that, I've just it's just constantly been there and I've constantly been playing it. So anyway, um, yes, so it's, uh, and because of that, I've been thinking re- lots and lots and lots about the mechanics, and I've made it quite dry. So, uh, Chris, you're never dry. Uh, no, I'm I'm perpetually moist. <laughs> so, h- how how have you been getting in all the, the right places? Uh, yeah, <laughs> how have you been getting on? Um, I played Star Arms today. I picked it up today. Um, yep. I know that it had uh, recently been an episode of the new series of Tabletop, which I'm yet to watch. Okay. And I had, I, I, when I looked at the artwork, I'd recognised it. So I must have seen it being played a few times at various board game shops. And I have an Android phone because uh, I don't have a tablet that is Apple, Android, and, f- and is Windows, in fact. So it has very limited access. In fact, the closest game I could get that was two Star Realms when I put Star Realms into the shop is what was it called? For Windows? Is this for the Windows Store? Windows yeah. Store. It was something like Badger Commando or something. <laughs> right. It was the closest I could get. Yeah. But anyway, I've got it on my Android phone and the reason I prefix it with all this is because I find it very difficult to play um, card games mm. on a, a mobile phone. It's just, mm. it really does stuff to my eyes. And there's, um, I play Hearthstone. I've played Hearthstone quite a lot on my phone. But even so, it's still not perfect. And I know you can play it on PC as Sam has been playing it recently against you, which is why we could have started this podcast about half an hour before. 
Yeah, we could have done. Me and, me and Chris were on, and then you were just like... I just had a lovely chat with Sam, whilst just occasionally there'd be lows in the conversation. As I, I could see him just transfixed on the screen, not listening to what I was saying, because he was trying <laughs> to work out your strategy. But, um, so basically, yeah. Um, now, Sam's description of, like, that, that gamer who focuses on the attack, the attack, attack, that is currently where I am at at the moment. Yeah, yeah. I've yet to pick up the nuance of it, because I'm very much, I'm very new to the whole deck building thing. I played Magic, I played Hearthstone, but Magic, I usually play with either one of you, and you've, mm. you've given me a deck that you've already built for me. Mm. Yeah. That's why you always lose. Exactly. It's the only, frankly, it's the only reason I'm socialising with you. <laughs> um, so I don't, know, I don't know, and I'm yet to discover that joy. Um, what, 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 what is interesting, Chris, sorry to interrupt you, is that the deck that I always give you when we're playing Magic is an attack deck. So that deck is built around the is is that magic deck that I built and I've given you is one that's built around bringing out big massive monsters yeah. and doing lots of damage. Yeah. So I wonder in a way that you sort of subconsciously sort of filtered into this way of thinking because all right, yeah, this is a little bit like that game of magic that I played. I can see how that's working against that and and also, when, when you're starting out a deck building, or definitely like Star Realms, it makes a lot more sense in you. It makes a lot more sense in your mind that if I buy all the cards that have got the most attack, then I will win. Yeah, yeah. and that's never happened. No. Um, but <laughs> it's interesting you say that, and that, you're absolutely right there, Sam, because it seems, and Shut Up and Sit Down on their podcast, they talked about this a few weeks ago, it seems so counterintuitive for me to... To play a card, I have to scrap loads of cards to do yeah. that. I hate doing that. It's loss aversion, isn't it? Yeah. And, in, and in Magic and Hearthstone, I've always been able to avoid doing that. I always avoid the cards that require me to sacrifice a card to then play a card. Yeah. I don't like that. But you have to be able to do that. You cannot play this game. You cannot play Star Realms without doing that because so many of the cards are predicated on the, on the, the fact that you I have to do I that. And it's such a lovely mechanic to actually have that there. I think you can... But I think what Star Realms does better than Magic in terms of that whole sort of scrapping, milling mechanic, as it's called in Magic, is because it's a it's a shorter, it's a lot tighter game. One thing I love about Star Realms is, is that everything you need comes in this little box, and yeah. and and that's it. Because it's a lot smaller and a tighter game, you feel a lot. It's a lot easier for you to scrap stuff because. Well, the game will be over in ten minutes. Yeah, and you're and, and because the deck sizes are very small, you become very aware about what's in there. So if you scrap that, you know that's fine because oh, I've got all this other stuff that's going to be coming up in 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 and through my deck. So I think that's why. Whereas when you do it in Magic, it's kind of like, yeah, but that's a really good card. So I don't really know what else is going to come out of this deck of sixty cards. So. I don't really want to scrap that because something well, could be really useful. Well, well, also I, I kind of find uh, I kind of find with things like magic, it's like, well, I paid twenty quid for that card, and I don't want to get rid of it because you know I, I haven't played it yet in a in a in a game setting. Um, whereas you do know you're not physically scrapping it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's tearing. Well, it up. <laughs> uh, so um, it's not pandemic legacy. It's not pandemic legacy. <laughs> but here's 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 the thing with. Here's the thing that I've absolutely loved with Star Realms so far is, is 
you're right it is a smaller tighter game and i think that mm-hmm. the 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 thing that really makes me want to play it more and to think about it more is that you buy a deck or you download the game and you know that there is only a set amount of cards you cannot pay to win it is just impossible um because you essentially buy the deck and you've got enough for both players not two players don't need to turn up uh, with two separate decks so so because of that you know that you've reduced the this idea of it being paid to win to, to you know to to nothing you've you've cut it out completely so now it's only down to skill and to a, a little bit of, i think there's definitely a little bit of luck in there as well um but because of that it then it then encourages you because there's more that's known and it's a fairer um it's a fairer uh, 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 battleground you start to actually think and read up on 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 these different strategies and uh, it encourages you to not think oh well i would have won that if i had better cards because that that sucks like that that is a really naff uh like ending trail of thought to walk away from a game from and i've never felt like it's impossible to feel like that with 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 star realms there's, there, I, th- I think there's a little bit of luck involved definitely, definitely yeah you can you can you can sort of push luck onto your side by buying the right stuff and cycling through stuff but if you don't if you don't draw the cards then you don't draw the cards and yeah and that and that's it really um yeah but, but again there's more there's more control over your deck like if you're a player who just really wants to know exactly what's coming out of it you just start hacking away like you start you know uh, 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 scrapping as many cards from your from your deck as you possibly can and that reduces that risk again so so it's because of that element of luck that I've bought a couple of the expansions for Star Realms already <laughs> right, this yeah. is the question I was going to ask actually are there expansions for this game because yes. you're talking about yeah. it being a tight little thing but so is there anything to stop Sam rocking up to a game of you and saying hang on I've got uh, my, my fleet has got this expansion or would you no. have to also no. have the expansion as well no because you only bring the one set the one set so so what so what would happen so what would happen Chris is there's there's like 10 expansions and each expansion comes in a little foil pack like there would magic boosters but there's no randomization if i was to buy that pack Pete would and Pete would buy that pack they include exactly the same cards there's no benefit from me buying it to Pete buying it there's and the uh, majority of those are just more ships and more bases that just get put into that that just get shuffled into the marketplace and then get drawn so they just add a bit more variety to so there's there's no new mechanics is basically what you're saying but there there are in some of the so the expansions that i've bought add new mechanics into the game for and the reason that i did that is just to just to add, kind of mitigate a bit of the luck element mm. that I think, because I I've been playing it quite more of the physical physical side of it than digital, mm-hmm. and I think the physical's just got a massive head start over the digital because you're playing someone and that feeling when they reveal their five cards in front of you and you see, oh my god, that's going to draw another card, and 
because that card's an alliance of that card oh my god they're going to do so much damage to me what can i do to help and you can see them looking at the marketplace and trying to guess what they're going to go for and then trying to buy them out so you buy the stuff that they're going to go for rather than in the digital edition it's like the play the other player takes their turn it's over within five seconds you have it's it's really cold there's none of that wonderful interaction between the two sides Mm. so so as i was saying the, the expansions that i've bought i've done to kind of make the game a little bit fairer and interesting is not the wrong word probably more intriguing so i've bought um one of the gambit expansions there's two of them i bought the cosmic gambit because uh, the other one was sold out but i will buy the other one because the other one um allows you to play solo as well as cooperatively um so what the gambit does is that you have these cards and you shuffle them and you deal them out to each player randomly and you decide if one player could have four the other player could have two um you could even each have equal gambit cards and at any time these gambit cards can be played during your turn and what the gambit cards do is they will give you a little bit of a boost when you need it so one of them could be add a secret base to your outpost at this moment or it could be scrap this gambit card to give yourself some extra resource to go and buy some with or scrap this card and immediately take something from the market row for free Mm. and i thought brilliant that's a thing that you're in a tight spot haha i've got this gambit which is going to allow me to to do this so i thought that kind of that's going to mitigate a bit of the luck element Mm -hmm. give someone maybe another try in a turn the other expansion i bought is um the heroes and basically they are sort of character cards that again get shuffled directly into the into the marketplace and when you buy them they are immediately activated and they go into your row and they'll give you a certain boost like they give you a bit of authority or have an impact on the rest of the deck that you've got and the third expansion i bought which is the one that i'm most excited for is called the event expansion right so what that does is again those are just cards that are shuffled into the trade row into the marketplace when they're revealed an event happens that affects both players and then that card is scrapped immediately and another card is brought out and that event can be anything from you both lose however many authority or you both get attacked or you both have to discard something or the player with the highest authority has to discard something or you know you know things along those lines so i thought in terms of like adding a bit of like free song to the game adding a bit of um uh, a sort of delicious twist mm. into the gameplay i thought those were the three expansions that appeal to me they they definitely most they definitely so um i've not i've bought the physical game um and i think we also sam and i we both bought the digital game as well the full version of it you can download it play for Mm -hmm. free and do loads of stuff um but if you want to play online then you need to purchase it um i've not grabbed any of the expansions but sam from what from what you've been explaining to me it sounds a lot like the Catan expansions in the like the base game is still solid and that's the foundation it's just if you want a different spin on those mechanics then you add add into it basically you you add up onto it is like a, a classic expansion in that way it's like here's a great thing here's a slight twist on it rather than the 
the the expansion as in the collectible card game where it's like you just keep going and going and going and going and it's not really a an expansion as it were it's just a a, a remain competitive um so the the uh you've been playing more physical i've been playing more digital and the online so for me the online is i agree with you sam it does feel a little bit colder i think that that just happens with all digital adaptations of physical games like you're always going to end up with that um i've not played any digital tabletop games whereby where where they felt as warm and as inviting and as per interpersonable um uh, as as their physical uh, counterparts we've talked about this time and time again i would play card games with you guys all the time if i was living like you know in your in the same city or like all close to you and i always feel like i'm always really jealous of of both of you that you're so close that you do get to do you do get to play games together and dan and i can't do that because a dan isn't a huge card game fan and b he's still you know three hours away uh in london from bristol and so so i've always been a little bit like oh man that would be really really cool and with this I think I found that game. Like I found that game where I can play with you guys. Like I can just jump in and jump out and and uh, you know have those cool multiplayer experiences playing card games together, even if even if that is you know uh, uh, over an internet connection. Quick thing from us: a huge thank you for listening to the show. We really do appreciate it. But since there's a little bit of time between each podcast, if you are looking for something else to listen to right now, and you've gone through all of our back catalogue, then you might want to try out "We're Not Wizards," which is a fantastic podcast all about board games. Both Sam and I have appeared on it. Uh, links to those shows you can find in the notes for this episode, so you can click on them and go listen to where we appeared on "We're Not Wizards." So if you do get a chance. Give We're Not Wizards a go. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks. I saw No Man's Sky for, like, very little money the other day. and I, It's gone down. It's, it's very cheap. I didn't buy it because I don't <laughs> actually... I still don't really know what the point of it was except for to piss off some nerds on the internet maybe like i like is that i'm pretty sure that's not why it was created well, no but that's what i guess that's what the end result was but i mean it looks it looks fascinating like an exploration game where you go about the galaxy and stuff but i i honestly don't know anything more about it than it's that because we have our own planet now don't we we have our own planet, yes. We, we discovered that a couple of weeks ago, a planet untouched by anyone else. Lovely. So I was able to plant my flag, so to speak. And it is the staying in planet. And I can tell you it is a very hospitable planet. Really? It's the most hospitable one I've found. Um, it, yeah, you're, not, you're less likely to die when you're outside your ship. On Do you, are there surface. animals on there? Yeah, some lovely animals. I'm going to name one after you, Gungadin, actually. Um, and it will mean that people will be able to see the Petasaurus. The Petasaurus. That's what it's going to be called. When I go in next, Wellington uh, Rex. I mean, there's plenty of gold underneath the surface as well. Really? Uh, yeah. And plutonium, oddly. Um, I, I like this metaphor for 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 staying in. Like, right. if you bury deep enough, there is a little bit of gold, but you really got to bury deep. Yeah, but most of the time, you just hit radioactive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. 
Hit or miss. Um, so, no, um, I didn't buy this game. Uh, my <gasps> girlfriend bought it for me. Because I'd, I'd, I'd showed her the concept and she was really intrigued by it. And um, so she bought it and we played it together. So we just passed the controller back and forth between the two of us. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you on the you on the D pad and her on the uh, Facebook. Yeah, it's board. like um, brothers Taylor, two sons. Um, <laughs> I have one half the controller, she has the other half. Um, she generally just likes being in the ship and just shooting things. Yeah. Um, again, maybe other metaphors. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but um, but well, what, she's not what, harming you anymore, Chris. So. I get to have a system. What things? What? But what are you? What are you shooting? <laughs> what are you doing? I'll explain what the game. The notion it basically, No Man's Sky is essentially a game that was bought by many people because it it really piqued their curiosity, and I think that's why we, um, she purchased it. It's because not many people knew they had understood the concept. They didn't, as Pete was saying, didn't really understand any kind of a narrative because basically the premise of the game is that you just it's pure exploration. And I mean, and when I say pure exploration, it is basically it has this very sophisticated software that generates planets. It basically has a universe. And I remember hearing stories about how when they were testing the game, they couldn't actually obviously physically go and explore every planet because they hadn't got enough people and enough years yeah. on the planet Earth in which to do it. So they had to create their own little bots, spaceships, that would go out and test the worlds for them. Right. They couldn't actually physically do that. Yeah. And it's got this fantastic loading screen, which is basically this beautiful coloured. Imagine the old Windows 95 screen of the stars coming towards you. Oh, yeah. All these rich, beautiful colours. And every white pinprick there is a planet you could go to. And it's just, it's just mind-boggling. It's overwhelming. But the main thing is, once you get over that, actually, how well does the game stand up? And the best way I've found to cope with it is to play it in very small doses. Because when, it, when you leave some time to pass, then that being overwhelmed again becomes something suddenly new and exciting. So we play it in kind of real stops and starts, and that works best for us. You don't really want to spend a prolonged amount of time with it. And I'll tell you why. When we first started, we got in the ship, and I thought, ah, oh, I don't want to do a tutorial. That planet, yeah, it's too, that's too close. Everyone would have gone to that planet. I didn't realise that everyone, you start randomly in the bloody universe. It's not like this is the, it's not like a multiplayer game where everyone starts off in the home base right. and you're trying to jostle to get to the main console to find the next part of the, the story. Yeah. Yeah. So we just shot off as far as we could, um, for ages. I and mean, what's incredible is, what I love is the little reticule in the center. If you, if you locate it to a destination point, it tells you, it works out based on your speed, how long it will take you to get there. And we saw this planet and it said, this will take approximately six hours to get there. And then we put it into wow. hyperspeed and then it was like 10 minutes. Oh God, it's still too long. Then we even, we increased the speed and then it was like a minute. And you're just holding down this button and like, it's like the Millennium Falcon, you know, when you go into hyperspace. Yeah. And then we entered this atmosphere and like, and land and it's immensely satisfying. You don't have to worry about landing. You just get close enough to the ground, you press square, it automatically goes into a landing and you get yeah. out. And you realise why nobody does this. It's because you've suddenly landed on a planet, you've got you've used up all your resources getting here in the rocket. And you're on a planet where it's like five hundred and fifty degrees minus. Right. So you can't you can't stay out for too long because you will just die. So right. basically what happened was for hours we had to run out of our ship, dig stuff up, <laughs> run back to our ship and then craft something, then run back out. Ah, shit, something's eating me. Ah, get away. Mine, mine, mine. Get back in, then sh then maybe run out a little bit further, shelter into a cave. Go, oh, my God, it's so cold out there. I'll stay in this cave. Mine, mine, mine. Ah, get away from me. Why are you still following me? And then slowly but surely finding a research base, which is a abandoned research base, running in, 
and then just, it's, it's really quite cool in that regard. It's a bit like that time when we play early Minecraft and you start with literally nothing and you slowly build up your civilization. But this was our learning curve. And since we understood now that you can't just go gun-ho and just just go straight out and just find the nearest planet and just plonk yourself down, you realize you need to actually have enough material to actually be able to take off and visit yeah. other places as well. Yeah. It's been, that's where it becomes quite interesting. And, and that's where you suddenly start to kind of acclimatize, literally, and understand the pace of this game. But its narrative is so sketchy. It's just a series of objectives. I don't know what the whole point of this narrative is. I don't know. It feels like when we played those kind of massive multiplayer online games, but without the multiplayer, you know, when you've got the very long, stretched, right. task-based work. Yeah. But it's just you on your own. Right. Um, and it's quite nice when you find a planet that no one's been to and you can literally name it, and you can name all the species there. So if anyone ever discovers a staying in planet, they yeah. will know that I've been there. Yeah, because you'll have called everything, you know... Yeah, Petersaurus. But face Rex and, yeah, all that sort of um, stuff. So... That's so could I, so could I could I visit could I visit staying in planet? Yeah, but the so chances of you doing that are so slim. Can't I just like type it into an encyclopedia or something? like I that? I don't think you can. No, right. I don't think you can. I mean, literally, it's it. I mean, that's that's the kind of novelty of this game. Really, it is. I don't think it's anything more than just that. I mean, other people have talked about the kind of micro games that happen between other players online, but but though, but that's what they've created themselves, as it right. were. Yeah. Um, and in terms of shooting the ship, it's basically, to, at the moment, it's blasting asteroids to kind of harness these kind of um, precious metals and stuff. Um, so the, are, there but, like, are there like alien races that you've got to like blast and stuff? Yeah, you can blast them. Um, you, sometimes you have to because they are trying to kill you, essentially. So, but are there like other aliens like uh, out in space and you have to, they're in like their own I jets haven't encountered stuff? any yet. I think there is. I think okay. there is a kind of a enemy in this game but right, I've not right, encountered right. any yet and I'm not sure whether that's just my um, my kind of willingness not to kind of adhere to a narrative and just go gun-ho to the, the furthest planet away I could get to or whether the game's waiting for me to advance a little bit through objectives because there are objectives mm. um, to then start to introduce those to me really my it's an interesting game I would never have bought it but I'm glad I'm playing it I mean this is what I love about gaming I think sometimes we forget this that literally all of that game it's just a disc right. and some kind of a, 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 um, and stuff that's kind of downloaded. It's just these gig, these yeah. gigabytes and stuff. There's so you, much in you that. You don't know how, how games are made, do you? <laughs> no, I do know how games are made. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm, not literally, I'm not talking literally. I'm talking philosophically <laughs> in terms of our perception of space. Sure, sure, I'm sure. Writing, I'm, I'm writing a lecture on the moment, at the moment for my students on like um, cyberspace performance. And I was trying to find... Like Microsoft are currently experimenting with using DNA to store data. Okay. Like, um, and it, they've they've managed to work it out. Like a gram of DNA can mm -hmm. it can store a million a billion terabytes. Basically. Um, oh, I remember this. A gram of so a gram of DNA, and they've managed to actually encode. The tricky thing is in encoding it. There's this particular company they work with, Twist, that is encoding it onto the strands. But you can literally use a gram of DNA as like the world's biggest memory stick. So it's so like when when someone dies, and it'll be. I can I can see it now. I can see like a uh, a 
an edition of Forensic Files, like do 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 do. Tonight on Forensic Files, the the forensic analysis of this guy's DNA and why he died with five thousand teraflops of porn on his DNA yeah. drive. <laughs> Just like <laughs> I uh, yeah, I tell you what, I, tell you what, I don't want to be the uh, I don't want to be the investigator going through the DNA <laughs> on a porn drive. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But 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 those ideas of like space and stuff like it's those things you can't conceive of, and you can't conceive of the fact that you are playing in a universe within sure. your own universe. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. extraordinary. Yeah, yeah. No, that it it really does sound absolutely fascinating. And I do agree with you. Like you know, being facetious aside, like you're right. It is a disc, and there is a whole universe on there, and it's made in ones and zeros. Um, that is absolutely incredible. I have to say. I've been going on a bit of like a sci-fi kick recently, and I really do like this idea of of um, spacecraft and exploring and going out there and stars and galaxies and all that sort of stuff. And that is something that I've, I think, I think that, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more sci-fi. I've, I kind of want to explore a lot more sci-fi now. And it sounds like you're essentially doing, you're essentially doing the same thing, Chris. So you were saying like it's little thirty-minute bundles of time. Yeah. Is this a game that you could play for longer and just like space space out? Um, but is it again? <laughs> is, is it a game that you could like, like I don't know, put on some headphones and listen to some music or, or or you know listen to a podcast or whatever it is and just like get lost in it? Or is there not enough there? Or I mean, theoretically, you could. I mean. I will say that the actual soundtrack for the game is really cool. Yeah. It's this kind of lovely, kind of light electronica kind of music. It's really lovely. Um, the only problem is, is that yes, it's a random generated series of planets, but the generations themselves aren't too dissimilar. Okay, this planet's hot. That monster's a, that creature's the same one we saw on another planet, except slightly bigger, with a slightly different head. The flora right. and fauna aren't that particularly different as well. I mean, I've only really been on four or five worlds, but they're not being that gravely dissimilar. Um, for longer periods of time, yeah, I could do that. I mean, once you get, once you know what you got to do, and it's that kind of task-based kind of process, you can easily tune out of it. You can have a conversation with someone while you're playing it. You don't really need to be that heavily invested in it. Yeah. Um, so I yeah, think, I think if I had the game, I'd play it like Chris and his girlfriend are playing it. I imagine the more you play it over longer stretches of time, the more similarities you see between things yeah. and maybe start to, like, are able to peek behind the curtain slightly and see where the dots are joined up with, like, the character creation and just, like, oh, right, so they're obviously just, like, cycling through the same heads and bodies until, like, a creature is made, like one of those machines at the seaside, like. Yeah. Machine at the seaside, would you mean? Well, you know, there's, they're, they're like... Um, they're at the seaside. I think they used to be in like Pizza Hut and stuff like that, where you'd have like uh, something that you'd roll around at the bottom to give it legs. Then you'd roll something in the torso, and it'd be like five different options of torso, like a fat woman Sam, and a and a sailor. You... And then and then <laughs> Did you, have you never seen anything like Sam, this? Sam, you're. I think you've. Is no, it like that, no, it's like, no. like game of the paper. You fold it over, somebody draws a head, then you fold it, and somebody draws. Well, yeah, 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 but but these are like a physical thing. So you'd have like three rolls, like three just like a bloke cylinders. inside, just screaming in agony as his various <laughs> parts of his body. I have three cylinders. Around. Hang on, let me describe it. Okay, let me sorry. describe it. You have three cylinders, 
like the top cylinder would be the head, the yeah. bottom would be the torso, yeah. and the and the and the, the bottom, bottom would be the would torso. Be, yeah. The top would be the head, yeah. the middle would be the torso, yeah. and the bottom would be the legs. Right. Okay. And there'd be five different selections of each. So when you went there, yeah. um, you could have a head, like a woman's head on a, like, a strong man body, <laughs> <laughs> and then like skinny clown feet. I, and yeah, that's how like No that. Man's Sky is made. All right. that's probably what, that's, that, that, was the, that was the that was the beta, wasn't it? I, <laughs> I literally... I've never heard of this. I've heard. I think I've heard of it. Um, Sam just said it then. I've never seen it though. Uh, Is this how you choose what you're going to wear every day, Sam? You just have like. <laughs> I I don't know what I would type into Google to find an image. To be very very careful. <laughs> this is a real thing. Um, um, I mean, I, do do you not mean? I mean, we had like sticks of rock. That was a thing. They were real. About? We had sticks of rock. That was what we saw in like beachside piers and stuff like that. Like I don't. I'm not saying it's like all oh, massive. Let's go. Should we go down the beach, Sam? You can make sand castles. You can ride a donkey, and you can make horrible human beings out of that spinny <laughs> thing you like. I'm just like Wait, Sam. Where did you holiday? The island of Doctor Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I'm just saying that. It's something that you find at a place like a seaside where it's like catering for kids and to keep them entertained. Right. right. <laughs> How many permutations would that be? So, the, so, and you also have them in books. So, oh, like yeah, with, you the, have with a, the, the spinny wheel and the movable tabs. No, tubs. it'll be a flat sort of two D version where you, you you'd mix up the flaps of each of the different parts to make up a funny funny character. This sounds. I've never heard of this. Maybe that's my sheltered upbringing, I don't know, but... We don't lend games anymore. Do you remember when you used to go... I used to go to school and um, we'd be lending each other games like like nobody's business. <laughs> Do you not remember that? Yeah. It's going to be like the body scene again, isn't it? Like, shit, Sam remembers, but never actually happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, I, like, rem- we I used, remember doing that. Yeah, yeah, you used to be like, oh, I'll borrow that game off after you finished. Yeah. yeah. yeah fine, yeah, yeah. Can, and- I, can I borrow that off you? That never doesn't happen anymore. I'd, I've never asked Chris. Chris only lives down the road from me, really. I've never, like, I, I just feel like, oh, can I borrow that off you? I think we borrowed a film off him, but that, that's, about, that's been about it. I you borrowed Metal Gear Solid Five off me. Yeah, still not you're, played it. You're not welcome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I I borrowed back in the day. I was that's how I played Metal Gear Solid for the first time. Uh, that's how I played the first disc of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, the first disc, yeah, because there was a scratch on the disc on the video. On the second disc, starting with that one. That no, no, no. Really well, yeah, but I <laughs> because because you can you used to not be able to skip cutscenes in Final Fantasy. So, because there was a scratch on the final animation on the first disc of Final Fantasy VII, uh, I couldn't progress past it. So I never actually saw what happened to Ares in the in the temple. So uh, I had the same thing with Metal Gear Solid. I lent it to a mate. I yeah. got it back missing one of the discs. You're joking! Um, the second disc. So or maybe I maybe I lost it. I know for a fact that he did lose. He did lose my the, the disc of Grand Theft Auto. How? 
I don't know. How does how do people lose things this like that? This is why I don't. This is why I don't live. I mean, people are a lot more trusting in rugby where Sam grew up. I don't think I don't. I don't really lend games. I lend games to you guys, but I never really lend stuff. I um, I I just think like like first of all, I would never ever ever borrow or lend a comic book. Like, I just I just like no like no. If you want to get your greasy paws all over something, then that's fine. But do it on your own time and dollar. The Games, I don't mind lending, but it kind of you kind of have to accept that you might never see it again, like because it's really difficult when you've when you've lent a game to be to be the person who says stuff like, "Oh, could you could you bring that back in? Because because could you could you could you bring that back so I can can I have my game back, please? Because when you're a kid, that's absolutely fine. You'd be like you're like Barry, you've had the game for two weeks. You should have completed it by now. Like, because you've got nothing else to do because you're seven. You know, like, you should have completed that by now. Why? Bring it back. It's my game, Gary, Barry. I want Double Dragon 3 again. <laughs> right? So when you've got those mates, it's like you've got those mates, you lend them something. Yeah. And they, they end up having it longer than you actually had owned yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And But here's the thing. As an adult, if you start saying, oh, can I get that copy of that game back? It starts to feel a little bit like... I always start to feel a little bit like... Like I'm imposing then on them? Like, why haven't you completed it by now? Like, why have you not just like cleared all of your decks to finish this game that I've lent you? So like, how many hours you leave before you ask them? Well, like twenty minutes. So. No, but like for example, like you lend a game to somebody, and then like three months later, like, oh, how, how are you getting on with it? And then they'll be like, oh, I've not even started it. And you're like, why did you fucking borrow it from me? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, it's propping up my desk. Yeah, exactly. It's like it, it makes a good windbreak. Um, yeah, I don't know, but um, but I don't know. That's why I don't really borrow things. Anymore. I just sort of go, oh, I have it. Just have it. I think I think more now. I'm pushing stuff on other people. So right. I'm gonna. Uh, so me and Chris are hooking up this weekend. Sweet. So I'm gonna. We we're gonna play a bit of Star Realms Physical Edition. We're gonna play yeah. a bit of Hey, that's my fish. Nice. Because um, I need to get Chris's corroboration that's going to become one of Chris's and Sam's breakfast games. Mm-hmm. Um, Which deserves its own show. Awards, it does deserve its own show every year. We should we should do that, shouldn't we? We should have a little we should have a little trademark. We've trademarked the IKEA game. Yeah. <laughs> much to the uh, much to the chagrin, chagrin of uh, IKEA, um, but um, <laughs> but yeah, we should we should have official breakfast games list. We, well, well, we kind of Chris and Chris and I kind of do. Oh, okay. We we do have a list of games that are official Chris and Sam breakfast games. Okay, I think I think we do need to have a. Uh, I, th- I think we do need to dedicate a show to to breakfast and stuff like that. Anyway. So yeah, so Chris is coming around. We'll be um, um, hopefully inducting a new game into the Breakfast Game uh, Hall of Fame, uh, and and I will be shoving some stuff on him to borrow. Um, I'm going to pass on uh, Thor, uh, Goddess of Thunder. Oh yes, looking forward to reading that. And also, I'm going to be lending Chris Darby Batman: The Telltale. Series advent- adventures. Yes, yeah, my first ever Telltale game. Ooh, really? Yeah, I've never played a Telltale game. Oh my god! <laughs> the the <laughs> self shading and the yeah, I, it just the, the, the type of game was. I wasn't really in the mood to play that kind of game at that particular point. But with the Batman theme, yeah, it's a shoe in. Hmm. What should yes. what? How should I kind of prepare myself for this? 
Because I'm already a Batman fan, but in terms of a Telltale experience, is there anything I should know beforehand going into a Telltale okay, game? You should, you should prepare yourself. <laughs> okay, this is how I describe it to you. <laughs> imagine, imagine that yeah. you've got a choose-your-own-adventure book, okay? Yeah, it's like, it's like the roller thing at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> and... <laughs> Okay, you've got a choose-your-own-adventure book that's been written by some really good writers. Okay, some actually some really, really good writers. Brilliant. And it's got your favourite character in it, all around Batman, okay? Okay, you've got, you've got all that in front of you. Fantastic. This sounds brilliant. But, but you've given that book to your grandma. Right. And she's, she's, telling, you that, she's telling you that story and flicking through all the pages and, you oh, know, geez. dealing with all the stuff that's going on that's kind of what uh, uh, that's kind of what any telltale series is like now my particularly my grandma my grandma but <laughs> my, my grandma's just burnt her third kettle <laughs> well well there we go uh, imagine imagine your grandma trying to left it on the stove get, tell you a choose your own adventure game and i think you're about there with what telltale's engine is like because because you'll be like me you'll be like me batman the telltale series a really good story a really interesting take on Batman and the fact that because Telltale games are dialogue heavy in terms of you are having lots of conversations with people and choosing your own, you know, your way through things, very much not a breakfast game, um, you spend most of your time as Bruce Wayne. And so the story is kind of... Uh, forces pitches pitches you into those situations so you're not doing things as batman you're doing things as bruce wayne who at sometimes is a vastly more interesting character than batman is because it's kind of like yeah definitely that's his you know one of the things that batman deals with is like who is he really like superman is really superman and clark kent is his alter ego yeah but batman has never made that definition like at some points he gives up being bruce wayne and sometimes he gives up being batman because he never knows which one you know is actually him like he doesn't know really who he is so it's really interesting that you actually get to be bruce wayne and and make decisions as bruce wayne and you can really make him a bastard if you want like you can be a bastard to alfred like be an absolute proper shit artist um so that's so that's really interesting but and I don't want to ruin the game for you, but you play the story and you go, this is great, and then it's got little action sequences and you go, I'd rather be playing the Arkham series by Rocksteady. Right, yeah. Yeah, that, that, this is the grandma filter. That, that's the grandma <laughs> filter. And then, and then there's, like these little, and there's like these little detective detective sections and it's like, well, I'd rather be playing a point and click by Tim Schafer or whatever. Like, yeah. It's just like a kind of... So, so if you've never played any other game before, you're going to love it. I, I wouldn't even go that far. Right. Like the that Chris, when you play a Telltale game now, you can physically see the game struggling to cope with what's going on. That engine is old. You can physically see the the the, the game trying to process the fact you press square. Rather than circle. So why do you want to and, lend me this? Pardon? So why are you lending me this? Because you like Batman. Oh, okay, I bought cool. it because I like Batman, and it oh, is okay. actually, in terms of Batman stories, yeah, like it, it's 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 really good. 
It's oh, a really, really good story. Oh, I look and forward to playing it then, Sam. And there are some things that I enjoy about it. You'll be done with it in six hours. It's episodic, so you can do an episode an evening and, you know, that's fine. Mm, that's and, nice. and, 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 and they are good companion games. Oh, what you mean, like, with a pal? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sit on a couch and play with someone, which which could be which could be a new Sam and Chris derivation of games. Companion games. We've got breakfast games and companion games. Yeah. Of which No Man's Sky is now the first the first one. Official entry into the into the pantheon. Even though the last series of Game of Thrones I didn't think was that good, what I do love about the distribution of of, of Game of Thrones and American Gods is it's not done in binge format. It's metered out, yeah. So it's meet. So it's proper like appointment to view television, which I I, I kind of love that. Like in a in a weird nostalgic sorry, way. Sorry, what what did you call it? What did you appointment call it? to view? What's that? So you make an appointment to view that show. Shit. Um, Game of Thrones is Monday nights at ten. Right. I've got to be home to watch that. Right, right. Yeah. Rather than, oh, I'll watch that during my lunch break on Netflix. And then during the yeah. week, you can chat to your mates saying, oh, what do you, theories and things like that. Yeah, oh, what's going to happen this? next week? Because binging, everyone's, everyone's at different levels. You can't have those kind of conversations, these kind of conversations in between episodes. Because if somebody says to you, okay, um, oh, Game of Thrones, I like Game of Thrones. What season are you are? I'm on five. Oh, I'm only on two. And that's it. Conversation's over. Oh, I won't spoil it for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and or you just don't watch anything because, like, the last season of Black Mirror, which is one of my favourite seasons, came out all in once. So I just never, I, I still haven't finished it, um, and mainly that's because the season is so intense I can't binge it. Right. If they released Black Mirror on a weekly basis when it first came out, I probably would have finished it by now because there's enough bre- there's enough time between each episode that's like built into the release schedule yeah. that I'd be ready to watch it but I finished one episode of Black Mirror just feeling absolutely drained and sort of you don't want to just yeah yeah you just, I can't like it just the, the the writing is that intense but now with this new series of American Gods the new shows are out on Amazon I think it premieres in in America on Sundays and then Amazon release worldwide on a Monday uh, so it means that, like, today when we record this is Monday, um, I got up and, you know, I was able to watch the, the new episode. And, like, knowing that I've got to wait a week now for the next one, I'm just really excited. Like, I'm thinking about the, the episode I just watched and it's, like, staying with me. It's percolating. It's really, really good. I, li- I like... I've got a, a fond nostalgia for that um, sort of release method. I, I don't think it works for everything, but I think... Like something like American Gods, this like layered gaming product, right? That where there is a, quite a lot going on with it, and quite a lot of strands that have just been left dangling for the next episode. Um, it's really good. You've you've not read American Gods, have you, Peter? No, of course not. It's a book. No, <laughs> Pete. Pete, you do read. Can we not? You do, do read. You- You've not you read do. any Neil Gaiman yet, have you? Um, I've read. You've... I read Neil Gaiman. I read Marvel sixteen oh two, and I read. That's exactly what good. I said. And <laughs> I read um, whatever Summer. happened to the Cape to Crusader. Crusader. Yeah, uh, but I've not read. No, I've not read any of his like proper big old. I've not read Sandman, and I've not read any of his like proper fiction that smart people read. <laughs> 
Um, well, I'll take that as a compliment. Because basically, American Gods is this, it's this kind of love letter to Americana. Mm. And it's basically this, this kind of, in a bit like Sandman, actually, this, this mix of all these different mythologies in a world where the old gods have lost their power because we're living in secular times where people aren't believing as much. Yeah. So they just exist. They live amongst us. And they're the, instead, they're being replaced by these newer gods, like gods of technology, that kind of thing. And it's about how the older gods and the new gods intermingle and how humanity's caught up mm. in the middle of all this, really. That's basically the, the, the show. Yeah. And it's got Ian McShane in it. Ian McShane. And pr- he was the man who... Go on. He was... Um, hold on. He was the man who... It, he's Lovejoy. Oh, yes. my gosh. And, yeah, he and he's the man that proves that cowboys swear in Deadwood. Yeah, well he's done. Also, he also has a little brief role in Game of Thrones as well. He was the best thing in Game of Thrones season six. Okay. Uh, he's the best thing in everything, generally. Um, but um, also as well, it's the showrunner for this is Brian Fuller, who did Hannibal. So it's got that very distinct aesthetic. But this one's got a little bit more neon, a little bit more colours in its palette. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, so it's virtually, very visually arresting. Mm. God's. And well it's very, very, it's very, very adult. I mean, in the latest episode I watched, there was dick pics. Sweet. Um, there's a woman uh, uh, effectively eating people with her vagina. Okay. Uh, so they've they've not shied away from any of the the big fantastical elements that 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 Gaiman sort of dealt with in his book. They've not. They've really not shied away from anything, and I think that has been sort of Brian Fuller's um, uh, impact because you kind of think about sort of American television as being very conservative and very uh, uh, sort of to shy away from this stuff, and I think that the success of Game of Thrones has definitely allowed certain broadcasters to push the envelope, but I think if it wasn't for... I had to stop watching Hannibal because I found it really, really disturbing right like i think i got to about the third or fourth episode where the killer was keeping humans alive and growing mushrooms on them in order to cultivate fungus in the middle of a forest and i got to that point and i was just like well oh, just i loved you know, it <laughs> very good bre- very good breakfast tv i just generally didn't know how you dealt with that chris because for me there was like this this wonderful rhythm and pace with the show but i just couldn't keep up with all this barbarism and sort of nastiness of it but i think that that's been a success and even though hannibal was cancelled i think brian fuller was able to go look this is how far we can push american god so we can put all this stuff in it you know we can have um you know quite gratuitous well it's not even gratuitous sex it's in it it it's kind of this this character in it who's this, who's this old um this old god who just demands to be worshipped and she uses her sex as part of her worship ritual and devours these people you know physically and, but it's done in this really clever and interesting way that at no point is it done for titillation at no point is it done for you know um to please it's done entirely ritualistically which kind of strips all this all the sexiness away from it um so it's it's really really i think the show's still finding its feet in the first couple of episodes right. but um i'd really recommend it i think you would i think you would like it pete 
It sounds a bit mean, though. What do you mean a bit mean? Well, it sounds a bit like I'd be upset. I like when I watch television. I like to watch like Arrow. You pick the least upbeat show on the DC. Yeah, but DC what do you mean by mean? TV? Well, it's mean. Mean. It's like it's like when I watch. Whenever I tried to watch Game of Thrones, I was always like, "Oh, don't do that. That's mean." Like they're always just being horrible to each other, and I just think I just end up watching. And I'm like, "Oh, it's a doggy dog world, Peter." Oh, I know, but I don't want to be reminded of that when I watch television. I want to watch SpongeBob SquarePants or like like Roadrunner. Like it sounds mean. I just can't. It's just it's just so mean. Like everyone's mean to each other in these shows, and you're like. What I want, what I want, is a TV show where everyone's nice to each other. Okay, so you want Blue Peter? Yeah, yeah. Is that still on? Yes. Awesome. That's what I watch. Okay, if you want something live, you should be watching the new series of Doctor Who. Okay. Uh, don't. But I haven't watched like all the other series of Doctor Who, so how will I? You can. You can just jump in. It's, um, that's the beauty of Doctor Who. You can just jump in. It oh, matter. okay. Who jumps so, into the Sava series? It's just started. Peter Capaldi is the Doctor Who. So Peter Capaldi, the incredible eyebrows. He's the old man, isn't he? He, he is the <laughs> oldest of the recent. Yeah. Yeah. He's the old man. Yeah. 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 It's great. It's nice. It's for kids. Um, young adults. It's, yeah. It's great. Well, so why do you? So why are you watching Doctor Who? Like, isn't it? It's for it's for children's television, isn't it? Um, I got into it at university, and um, it's I love it. Every, every, <laughs> children's every, television. Yeah, Mr. SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> every episode is a different genre, essentially, Peter. Right. So I'm halfway through an episode at the moment called Knock Knock. It's just been aired, which is basically a survival horror. Um, okay. And then another episode might be a western. Another episode might be in the future. Another episode might be a romantic comedy. You know, every episode is a different genre. Um, and the reason I love it in particular, Capaldi, is last season there was this fantastic episode called Heaven Sent, right. which is without doubt one of the greatest episodes of television I've ever seen. Probably right. one of my favourites. I was obsessed and, with it. And, and considering you're on a bit of a sci-fi bent, yeah, I think that something like. You need to watch Heaven Sent. You don't even need to see any of that series from last year. Just watch that one episode. It is incredible. It's like a Franz Kafka short story. And it literally just stayed with me. And it's just him in the whole episode, him. It's a one-hander, okay. more or less. But it is incredible. Um, just in but terms I think, of scaring it. Chris, Chris, I think, I think what you're forgetting is what kind of... <clears throat> What you're forgetting is what kind of a person Peter is. So Pete just can't jump into what has essentially been like a 20-series thing. No. It's just like that time where you try to get into classical music and you're just like, right, who, where do I start? Who's the first one? Who, who's, the fir- yeah. <laughs> who's the first composer? Yeah, the first what do person I know? who made music. Yeah. Who, where do I start? Like, where's the beginning? Chris has to start fucking at 1967 when this shit started or something like that. In order for him to enjoy it... Me. He will yeah. have to start at the beginning. Yep. Um, so, so for example, to give you an well, to, to give a, a very clear recent example, um, I wanted to listen. Uh, sorry, I wanted to read uh, a couple of stories by H.P. Lovecraft and just try to understand who H.P. Lovecraft is and what his fiction is and what, and what Cthulhu oh, is. God. And I'm now halfway through his complete works of fiction. Chris. You, you know that the next game that you and I are going to play cooperatively is the Arkham Horror, the card game? Yes, I'm looking forward to it's that. It's like 
us finishing Pandemic Legacy and then me going, right, here's the reading list. Yeah, it's like, it's no, no, no. It's like, it's like you going, right, I'm going to play Pandemic Legacy. First, I'll go to medical school for seven years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, that's when I when I get into something I really want to drill down into it so with Doctor Who I think at least I would have to start at the very beginning of the Kefal uh, Kefal Kefaldi Kefaldi that's fine this, this is this is his third season that's just started now okay. so you can and each and each, each season's only like 13 episodes so like two seasons is the equivalent of an, one American series generally right. so it's not it's, it's not intensive and as you say you can jump in with any of the new doctors you can jump in with Kefaldi and it doesn't matter about David Tennant or Matt Smith or any of the others beforehand you can just jump in with him. Okay. In the same way that Dan, Dan got into Doctor Who with Matt Smith. He hadn't really seen any of the ones before that. So he just started with him, mm. and he d- it didn't did, does not disrupt it. It's designed because as he regenerates, it means that you can regenerate your audience. Your audience can kind of step in whenever they want. Really, um, they don't have to go back to the sixties, which I haven't at all. Um, it's a bit like the X Files thing, or even what the. Um the Constantine TV series should have been, but wasn't. Because he's travelling to a different place in time and space every episode, or like the X-Files, because each episode is a different case, you can just jump in because there's these clear divisions between he's been to that time and space and now he's going to another time and space. A bit like Red Dwarf, like every episode is, oh, we've discovered a new planet. Mm. Oh, we've discovered a new floating ship. It's not like, even though there's an overarching theme with something like Red Dwarf, where it's like, we need to get back to Earth, um, still every episode is its own contained, Mm. its own contained bubble. Oh, Rimmer's gone mental because he's got a penguin on his hand or whatever. Like, um, or like Crichton's gone a bit crazy because he's eating cheese like oh like i think i think what chris is trying to say is doctor who's a similar principle there is no sort of main overarching theme and if there is it's not that dominant that you can't no. enjoy the singular episodes so what's that, that the doctors are in so what's so captivating about doctor who if it's not if the legacy is so easy to just kind of brush past and not need to worry about what is it like so is it just great storytelling in the way that Twilight Zone is great story- storytelling? As in, like... It, it, oh, I God, mean, I'm glad you said Zone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so am I. Um, it's, <laughs> like, I'm not saying that every episode is an absolute belter. They have a different writer each week, generally. But what, it, what, what is good is, even if I've not watched every episode from the 60s, I know that that legacy is there. You can sense it. But you, you can sense there's you, a history. Yeah, but you said that it doesn't it. matter because you just jump straight in. No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, but in the same way that I can look at a signpost and not have to walk the walk that it's gesturing <laughs> to. You know, I can... It, it is pointing It is pointing towards something, right. like, you right. know, beneath the surface, really. And that's, that's, and that's quite lovely. And just to know that fact is really quite nice. Mm. And the fact that its whole philosophy about regeneration is that, you know that those previous kind of incarnations are not gone, they are still there, and Peter Capaldi is the oldest one of them. And that, that, that having knowing that you've got that, literally that connection all the way back through history, is, it, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, and yeah, there's some hit or miss episodes, but there's some absolutely bloody brilliant ones. But like, I could just, I could just say, Pete, okay, that it's on Netflix, just watch these episodes and you'll have a good time, and it, you won't feel cheated by that fact. Okay. At all. 
I'd be up for that. Easily. I'd be up for that. Because um, I think you need to, because I, I, I do worry about you sometimes, Pete, that you don't have anything that you can, you don't have anything you can watch just in a kind of casual way. And I like, I like the fact that you commit to things fully, you heavily invest in stuff. Mm. I mean, uh, it's, it's extraordinary. Um, but do you have anything in your life, like, that you just casually kind of engage with? Or is it just literally, okay, um, okay, for me to fully understand this and enjoy this, I have to go full into it. I like guess. Everything and go from the beginning right to the end. I guess, like, we watched The Simpsons a little bit. Okay. Um, I mean, if you just sat down and tried to watch all the Simpsons episodes, I mean, how many of those episodes have there been now? Oh, I mean, I would love to do that, though. I would love to go from the start to the end of Simpsons and just uh, up to current point, because that would be absolutely fascinating to see how the stuff's changed. But, I mean, I don't know, like... I actually don't think there is. I, I usually have, like, a goal... With what I'm with what I'm doing, there's usually the goal of like understand this character, like so with Batman for example, like there's only a few more graphic novels where, uh, to, for me to get before I go. I think I've got a pretty good grasp of who this person actually. Uh, who you this know, character but you've is. not you've not read those novels in chronological order. No, and I don't need to, and and I don't need to, um, but I a little bit of me is really annoyed that I haven't like so. I have tried wherever I... I don't, I, don't think you, I don't think you'd understand Batman if you read him in a chronological order. No, I, I think... I th- but I think... I think Batman's slightly... I don't think you get the sense of a man. I th- I, like, I don't think you would understand the classical music if you, um, you know, if you listen to it in chronological order. Um, it's nothing matter about understanding it, does it, Pete? It's about actually just but appreciating it. It's, it's it, not like... necessarily about going into it from a chronological order. It's it's more about um, the reason that I'm I'm going through uh, uh, Lovecraft's work is because I want to understand, you know, the man, the man's overall fiction, and actually, as you see the character arcs of as you see the Cthulhu mythos begin to change and adapt and grow, actually it is useful to see that from a, from a chronological perspective. Equally, it's useful to see Lovecraft refine his, his craft, as it were. Lovecraft refining his craft. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, uh, and um, it's useful to see that because you see him change from this very, very, very uh, confined, scared man who is very nerdy, very painting himself up to be this proper Victorian gentleman in a time that was not Victorian gentleman time, um, neither the or, or the location for it either. And then, and you know, really quite nasty and uh, sexist and, and racist in, in, in places, uh, certainly compared to, to today. And then you start to see his work evolve, and as it goes through these, as you understand, because obviously I'm reading a biography is his at the same time as you as you understand like it's going through his life and what he was going through you start to see how his fiction changes and so he starts to be immersed among people from different cultures and suddenly lo and behold he drops this idea of um of uh, he drops a lot of the racism from his way it never quite goes away but a lot of that starts to sort of subside and become something very very different and that is useful and that is better for me to understand who lovecraft actually is incidentally there are 618 episodes of the simpsons so far pete so that would take you 206 hours to watch all that that's all right 
Hang on. Let's do a yeah, That's about that's that's about eight and a half days that's, solid. Yeah, it's doable. That's just over a week, isn't it? That's, that's like style. four RPGs. Lads, lads. Knock knock. Who's, Who's there? there? Dishes. Dishes who? Dishes Sean Conroy. So, so about hanging out at the weekend, Chris. <laughs> that was staying in with myself, Sam Turner, Peter Willington, and our very own doctor in residence, Chris Darby. To find out more about the show is easy. Just follow us on Twitter at StayingInPod. Links to any of the topics covered in this episode can be found at stayingin.podbean.com. And you can also, while you're at it, leave us a review on iTunes if you're feeling nice. But that's it for now. We'll see you next time. Ta-ra!